Good morning, everybody. Good morning. And uh, let's go ahead and get started. We're so happy that you are here today. And uh, we're going to turn to the book of Revelation, chapter 3, and we're going to start here at verse 14. Revelation chapter 3, verse 14, we will conclude today uh, the writings to the seven churches um, that God spoke to John to deliver. And uh, the last one of these are, will be the church of the Laodiceans. And so we'll begin with verse 14. Unto the, unto the angel of the church of Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of creation of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou were cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew the out of my mouth. And I want to just pause here for just for a second. This is, this is an amazing, this is, these are amazing scriptures. These are amazing words. These are coming from uh, the lips of our loving Savior who looks at this church and is able to know them, of course, as he did the other churches. And he says to them, you're neither hot nor cold, but you are lukewarm. Uh, that term in the scripture has, has always uh, been synonymous with the word backsliding or to, to drift away from or to, to, to depart from your first love. And so he says to this church, he says to this church, because you are neither hot nor cold, uh, I will spew you out of my mouth. These are strong, strong words. It's, it's words that every Christian ought to take heed to, every church, uh, every person ought to take heed to these words because they weren't just written, written to, to a church 2,000 years ago. They were, to be sure, but they are also written to whoever has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And so God is saying to this church, now the church of Laodicea, the city of Laodicea is about 30 miles geographically from the church of, of Colossae. Uh, the Colossians, the book of Colossians that are written to the Colossians, uh, this town, this church will be about 30 miles geographic, uh, geographically from Colossae. Um, here's why. Why would God, why would the Lord be so adamant? Why would he be so uh, plain spoken concerning this church. And then he gives the, the because. He said, here is the reason why I would, I would be willing to spew you out of my mouth. Verse 17. Because you say, I am rich and increase with goods and have need of nothing. He said, you say. This church was not necessarily an evil church. It wasn't necessarily that they were committing Fornication, it wasn't that they were stealing or breaking the Ten Commandments. This church was just so increased with everything that they needed that they actually now felt like they didn't need anything. 
which would be God. So, and you'll find this out later in this discourse. And so he said, because you say, when you look at your life, you say, I'm rich, I'm increased with goods, and I have need of nothing. But you know not that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So here's why God was so adamant. He said, and, and it's when we get, when, when, when humans get so self-sufficient and so dependent upon people and things and stuff. Uh, that we, we, you know, you know, we said this before. I've, I've been on so many of these mission trips, and I've never been on a mission trip to a third world country where we haven't seen great miracles, healing. Uh, in, you, in Mexico, the same way. Uh, we, we've seen miracles. We've seen healing. We've seen incredible breakouts in the spirit. And I come back to America, and America doesn't seem to need anything. We're so self-sufficient. We've got it all together. And we've got our, we've got our, our accounts and this account, and we've got that, and we've got our insurance, whatever. And there, these people do not have that. All they do have, the only hope they have, is that somehow God's mercy would come their way. And because of that, they receive. And I'm just telling you right now, there is a, there is a danger in getting things out of balance. And I said to you last Sunday, this is the church. These two church ages run, Simon, they run together, side by side. Amen. So that's why there's two prophecies going to be fulfilled in the last days. The Bible said in the last days, there will be a great falling away. A great falling away in the last day. A great falling away. Where's that going to come from? Church of Laodicea. Same period of time, the Bible said there will also be a great outpouring and in gathering of souls. Where's that going to happen? Philadelphia church. So we've got the Philadelphian church and the Laodicean church in the same time frame, and that will last until the coming of the Lord. Both of these church ages last until the coming of the Lord. And one, one of them, the prophetic significance is there'll be a great falling away, and millions will that profess to know the Lord under that system, will fall away. And at the same time, there's going to be a church who's crying out to God, who's not denied the name of Jesus, who's not denied the word of God. Hallelujah. That will stand up and in a, see a generation touched by the Holy Spirit for Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. Praise God. The, the danger is that we get to choose... We can all be a member of Abundant Life Church or whatever church you're, that, that the name of the church is, but we get to choose whether or not we're members under that covering of Laodicea or Philadelphia. I can be on fire in this church or I can be lukewarm at this church. I can be on fire at Abundant Life or I can be lukewarm at Abundant Life. You hear me today? I choose. That's it, brother. I choose to be on fire. I choose to be hot. I choose to repent. I choose to seek after God. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Then he goes on further to say, uh, I counsel thee. I love this. I just love this. That God is not, even after he 
he brings the judgment concerning this church. Instead, you, he said, and, and just in plain talk, he said, you, you, nause, you make me nauseous. You nauseate me. I, I could just, I'm, it's like drinking warm water that causes you to regurgitate. And he said, and after he says, that's how you, that's what you remind me of, church. Then he turned to the same people and he says to them, I'm going to let me be your counselor. He uses the word, I love this, I counsel you. God wants to counsel us. Hallelujah. And he wants to counsel. He, even though the church of Laodicea is a lukewarm church, and he said, it's one that would make me sick. He said, yet, yet, I'm not willing to write you off. I'm not willing to forget you. I'm not willing to give up on you. I, that's, that gives me hope because I'm going to have to tell you, there have been times when I haven't been on fire. There have been times when I have been lukewarm. There have been times when some of you have been lukewarm as well. And God didn't give up on us. He kept coming to us. He kept moving on us. We kept hearing preaching. We kept hearing the word of God. Somebody kept encouraging us. And finally one day that spark happened again. And I got that fire back. Hallelujah. And here Jesus said, I'm going to count... I'm going to be the counselor. I'm going to be the counselor for the church at Laodicea. And here's what I'm going to counsel them. Here's my counsel. My counsel is this. I counsel thee to buy of me gold, tried in the fire, that thou mayest truly be rich. And white raiment. Now, we all know what white raiment. It is the righteousness of the saints. That's been made possible by the shed blood of Jesus. White raiment that thou mayest be clothed. And that the shame of thy nakedness does not appear. I counsel you to anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. And then he goes on to say. As many as I love. God still loved this church. And God still. If, 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 if we are lukewarm and abundant life. If, if, if the American church, and we know that it is, is a lot of the American church is lukewarm. Now, I'm including, when I say the American church, I'm including that, we're, that we are part of the American church. I'm just saying that, and that could be, there could be as much lukewarmness in us. You would hate to think that, but there could be as much lukewarmness in us. There could be as much lukewarmness as in, the, in, in the churches in Dallas, in the churches in the Metroplex, as there is anywhere in the, in the United States. But I'm just going to tell you, there is lukewarmness in the body of Christ in this nation. And we understand that. Hallelujah. And God is still saying to the lukewarm side of the church, I love you. And I'm willing to do everything I can to bring you back to where you need to be in my glory, in my presence. And he said, I love you. And he said, listen, he said, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. God gives, gives this church a chance to repent. And then he goes and he said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Jesus standing at the door of his own church, knocking. This church, he's standing at the door knocking at his own church and saying to his own church, listen, what, 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 what's he saying to his own church? He said, if you'll hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup 
with him and him with me. And to him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. Amen. Amen. Now, how many of you are familiar we're getting ready to change gears here and, and, and going forward we are going to be talking about let me let me just read let me just read you something and then we'll get started on that. Chapter four begins with these words after this well, after what? What has transpired for John to say after this? Here's what has transpired. John has seen the resurrected Christ on the Isle of Patmos. He describes to us the only description that we are given, complete description that we're given of what Christ looks like is given to us by John the Revelator in the first chapter of Revelation. He gets seven messages to seven churches. Geographically, they're all in old Asia Minor. John delivers these messages to these churches. I don't know how long it takes him. A week, two weeks, a month, I don't know. But he, fin he does... Take all of these messages to each angel or pastor or leader of every one of these churches. And then he comes back to where the Lord had met him. And he said, after this, after all of these things have transpired, I looked and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, come up hither. And this is key. This, this verse, we'll spend, we'll spend at least a couple weeks on this one verse. Come up hither, and I will show thee things. And everybody look at these last few words. I will show thee things which must be hereafter. Hereafter. That doesn't just mean things that's going to follow it means that these are things that are going to follow line upon line, precept upon precept. They're going to follow numerically. They're going to follow scripturally in place. These things which will, uh, will happen hereafter, hereafter. Now, it is, it is, it is very obvious that and we're gonna, we're gonna, I'm going to give you an overview of Daniel's 70 weeks of prophecy, what's called, called, what is called in the Bible, Daniel's 70 weeks. I'm going to give you a little bit of an overview of some of the prophecies that I feel like are, are, are relevant right now to the, to the coming of the Lord, what we call the rapture of the church. Now, the rapture, the word rapture is not in the Bible. The word that means rapture is in the Bible several times. That is the catching up, catching away, to, to snatch out, to to remove, to be caught up. All that is the term, the same term that we get, the Greek word that means rapture. And so when we talk about the rapture, you just need to know two things here. When we talk about the rapture of the church, we're talking about the catching away of the saints of God. When we talk about the coming of the Lord at that great day of the Lord, we're talking about the Lord returning with His church to fight at the battle of Armageddon and, and the destruction of the armies of the Antichrist, okay? So when I talk about, when I say to you, we're, we're talking about the rapture or the catching away, I'm talking about an event 
which I believe is the next major event on God's calendar. We don't know when that's going to be. We're not going to speculate on that. But we are going to just put it out there that I believe that the coming of the Lord Jesus for his body. We're going to have to talk a little bit about 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians talks about Christ coming for his church. 2 Thessalonians talks about Christ coming with his church. We'll talk all about that. Uh, right now, there's a lot of, been a lot of discussion, and I'm sure some of you are aware. How many of you are aware of the discussion that's going on, on uh, concerning the blood moons? All right, just lift your hand if you, okay. How, 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 many, how many of you do not know anything about that discussion? Do not know, okay. All right. Okay, very good. Um, I'm going to, since, since that is a very, uh, I, 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 I think a very significant event that are, that are transpiring, I think we ought to talk about them historically. Um, I know that uh, there are several of you that have studied, studied this as well as I have. Steve Harden is one of those that, that has studied uh, somewhat. Some of you may have books. There's been uh, five books, four major books uh, that's been written this past year on the subject of the, four, of the blood moon. Now, the blood moons are another word uh, for, for lunar eclipse. Okay, when the, when the moon looks like it's turned red to blood. Uh, and the scripture does say that in, the la in, in Acts chapter 2 and in Joel it speaks of that before that great day of the Lord that the, that the moon will turn to blood and there will be signs in the heavens. Now whether or not, whether or not these four uh, blood moons that we're going to be talking about that are, that are happening very significant times and overlaying scripturally with a lot of things at the Bible, whether or not that actually tells us that Jesus is coming uh, I do. I, I can tell you this. I do not believe that any of those books, and I've read excerpts from all of them, uh, and those people in some of the books that say that they believe that Christ will come on the fourth moon, which would be next October, 2015. I don't believe. I don't believe that the Bible says no man. No. We just mean to set this up. Right? No man knoweth the day, nor the hour. Christ said. Only my Father who is in heaven. Okay. But he does say of the times. I say times. And the seasons. I don't want you to be ignorant. So, so is it possible for the church to know somewhat concerning times and seasons? I would submit that it probably is. So having said that, is there... Are these blood moons significant? I, I think they're very significant. I think more so than trying to pinpoint the day or the hour the Lord is coming. I think it's more so because it absolutely has to do a lot with Israel. And it also is taking place at a time in history where the church understands prophetically that the next major event prophetically in the book of Revelations is... The rapture or the catching away of the church, which, which I'm going to teach you that the rapture takes place right here in chapter 4, verse 1. Okay? And just make, you can make yourself a note for this. All up through, up through the fourth chapter of uh, Revelation, the church is talked about consistently. Beginning at verse 5, the rest of the way until the end of the chapters, the church is not mentioned. Why is the church on, on the earth? The church is not mentioned on the earth. The church is mentioned 
when the church is mentioned, it is mentioned in heaven. I'm going to submit to you that I believe with all my heart that the church of the living God, that's you and I, the body of Christ, will be taken to heaven ahead of what we call the great tribulation. And we'll talk about that, all right? Doesn't mean that there's not tribulation. There's been tribulation going on uh, on this earth all, all these years. And there's been martyrs, and there will be more martyrs, and there's been persecution of Christians, and there will be more persecution of Christians. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the tribulation time that the Bible said that is seven-year period that was, and we'll read about it, and we'll read specifically who it's for from the book of Daniel, who it's for, and what it is for, the reason it's going to happen. And you remember when I was reading to you from Philadelphia last week? He said to that church, I'm going to keep you from the great trial, the great time of trial that shall come to test those where? On the earth. Just those that's left on the earth. Okay, I'll get there, right? Um, I think perhaps uh, maybe the, the uh, most... Uh, well, I don't know if I should say the most well-known book, but uh, the book that's been on the charts for the longest is probably John Hagee's book uh, concerning uh, the blood moons. For those of you, let me just kind of read to you some, some things that I've compiled here. Uh, and I'm going if, to, if not this Sunday or the next Sunday, we're gonna, I'm going to have, I want to get Stephen's uh, opinion, maybe Brother, Brother uh, Hart as well, but... Um, let me see, Mark. I'm trying to think the man. I can't think of the man's last name at the moment. Uh, this was the first man that I read about or heard of um, that that put this together. Um, Pastor Mark. Uh, is the one who, who broke the code, so to speak, in 2008, brilliantly overlaying the occurrences of blood moons dating back thousands of years. He used, no, he's not that old, but he used the NASA website and the Hebrew calendar. His discovery is to talk among many pastors, churches, and ministries, uh, and it's a topic that we're going to discuss today. Uh, essentially, blood moons are total, total lunar eclipses, he writes. Now, just remember, listen to this. During the five millennia period from 2000 B.C. to 3000 A.D., we will experience 12,064 of one of three types of lunar eclipses, averaging about 2.4 per year. Over a period of 5,000 years, that's from 199 B.C. to A.D. 3000. We're in A.D., of course, 2014. There will be a total of 3,479 lunar, total lunar eclipses. Four consecutive total, total lunar eclipses without any partial eclipses between are known as a tetrad. So we're going to be dealing with these four that are right in the news right now. The significance of lunar eclipses is noted in the Babylonian Talmud written 2,000 years ago. And it records in Jewish thinking that when the sun is in total eclipse, it is a bad omen for the nations. Pastor Mark went back further into Genesis 1.14 for the first clue that we need to pay attention to in such acts of nature when they occur. 
And God said, Let there be lights in the firmaments of the heavens, and re- listen, to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs, seasons, days, and years. Um, while refreshingly making it clear that Pastor Mark doesn't know what the sign means other than something big is possibly coming based on previous occurrences, he did cite the possibility of a prophetic war that's listed in the book of Revelation. Um, he also believes that this is a, is a warning from God to the nations who would try to divide his land. Of course, this author, is, is by the way, is Jewish. Uh, in, in overlaying the occurrence of blood moons and tetrads, an occurrence of four total, this is four total lunar eclipses in a row without any partial eclipses. So the four that we're going to be talking about are happening, and the first one happened in April this year. Okay, we, so we've had one already. All right. These four will happen without any partial eclipses in between uh, the two. All right. Uh, two primary reasons in which we may need to pay attention to these four are, are this. Number one, they occur on Jewish festivals, that is, Passover and Top Tabernacles, and they occur during sabbatical years. There are many cases of blood moons detailed. All are relevant, but I want to highlight those since 1400 B.C. I'm sorry, 1400 A.D. that have particularly historic significance. Between 1400 and 1500, there were four tetrads, two of which fell on feast days, 1428, 1429, 1493 through 94. Interesting, it was in 1428 that an assembly of Jewish people met in Florence to gather funds to give Pope Martin V to pay for his protection. And in 1492, King Ferdinand and Queen Isabella signed an, an edict to expel all the Jews from Spain. It happened on a tetrad. tetrad. Between 1900 and 2000, there, there were five tetrads. Two occurred on feast days, 1949 through 1950, 1949 through 1950, as you know, May 1949, 1948, not only do we have not only do we have four blood moons in a row with all four falling on feast days, but they also happen at a time when historic prophecies were fulfilled. In this century, eight tetrads will occur, but the only time they will fall on feast days, the only time they will fall on feast days, there'll be eight of them this century. The only time they will fall on feast days is 2014 and 2015, the year 2014. 2015. The only time they're going to fall on feast days will be this year and next year. Rather than projecting specific events and our doom, what's uplifting is that Pastor Mark does not make himself out to be a prophet. He said, I am just letting the world know that a pattern exists between when eclipses have fallen on past feast days and the major events that have occurred at the same time. In a personal email, he noted that what is coming over the next few years will be incredible. 
a uh, little just a little side note in the Torah the year the the year of the Sabbath that is the year of uh, in the Old Testament uh, when they returned the reset the, when they returned everybody's debts and everybody's debts were forgiven all debts were forgiven and the commanded to let the land lie fallow this is still observed in Israel today in that context pastor Mark noted on September the 7th 2001 the day before Rosh Hashanah, the Dow Jones average saw its biggest drop ever, 7%. Okay. Seven years later, on September the 28th, 2008, the day before Rosh Hashanah, the Dow fell 777 points or another 7%. Now we are coming to the third and final uh, Sabbath year since 1994, could the coming blood moons signal a third strike economically? That's his question. Could it? Okay. While all this is very significant, uh, he said, uh, a close friend, Pastor Todd Hadley, asked as we enter the season, what should he and the church pray for? One thing that kept coming to mind in all this was the connection between blood moons and the shedding of, of Jewish blood. This was the Jewish pastor. The concepts have have linked heart to heart. Now, heart to heart is a is a is an organization that does blood bank work for Israel. Heart to heart, uh, they collect blood blood banks for 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 the Jewish people. Um, so here's what he said: We should pray for from his perspective. Number one. To pray that whatever God is signaling us that, that is coming, that it will be good for Israel and the nations. To pray that even if it is good or if it isn't good, it does not involve loss of life, especially in Israel. Three, to pray that if there is death, that it will be kept to a minimum. And four, to pray that if blood is shed as the one thing that can heal and save all people, Israel's blood supply and the resources to protect it are always abundantly. All right? Now, um, I've, got, I've got two other things I want to talk to you a little bit about. Uh, Stephen, come for just a second. You got, you need to bring any notes or anything or just, okay. All right. Uh, I know you've been studying this for a while. I know Brother Hart has, but I want to just, just get your, your input on, on what you've been studying. Um. Well, first of all, this is all very interesting to me. This is like right up my alley. I love research. I love trying to find ways to prove the Bible is real and, and all of its existence. When he said, when he quoted Genesis um, chapter 1 there, when he said that there would be signs, that's a Hebrew word meaning signals. So God did create the sun, moon, and stars for more purposes than just uh, seasons or whatever. It's for signals for us, for his people, for his children to understand what's coming on in the last days. So... Yeah, I started getting into, uh, I, I love astronomy and astrology and stuff like that. Unfortunately, the devil and his minions or whatever has corrupted the system and made it bad. But there are still things that we can learn from it. So I really started kind of researching it and stuff like that. And um, I found some patterns in there that I thought were very interesting. Um, anytime God uses signs like that as far as lunar as far as the moon, it always seems to reflect on Israel. Anytime it's a solar eclipse, it seems to reflect on something that's going to happen on the earth, on the rest of the earth. 
Um, what I kind of what I saw that was very interesting was um, 1492. We all know Columbus sailed the ocean blue, right? We all know we all know that part of it, right? Well, what the pastor just alluded to with what happened with the Jewish people being kicked out of Spain. That was an atrocity. That was a major thing. So what the Jews did at that particular moment was got all the resources that they could because the government at that time was seizing everything from them, their land, their property. They were booted out. So they gave all their money and resources to an Italian Jew named Christopher Columbus and said, go find us a place. we got to have somewhere to go because they had nowhere. They had nothing. And so that's what happened with Christopher Columbus. Came over here. You probably didn't even know that. I didn't even know that. That was founded by Jews, really. Um, so it, God took an atrocity that happened to the Jewish people and turned it into something good. And he followed that with four tetrit, four blood moons, let everybody know. Also, again, like Pastor alluded to, 1947, that's a major thing. A Bible prophecy where all the Jews come together to get their land back. God lit up the heavens with four blood moons. Um, <clears throat> let's see, what followed that? Oh, what preceded that was the, uh, the Holocaust. I mean, the... Um, what happened there with the Jews in, in 47? Oh, they were, yeah, 67. Um, when they had the Six-Day War, atrocity, they recaptured Jerusalem. So it's, it's like something bad happens to it and then something good, and God lights up the, the heavens with four blood moons to let us know something's going on. So there's a pattern there that's letting us know. It's always a warning, and then God's going to do something good. Well, you've got to know where we are prophetically on the calendar with the Hebrew calendar that the next thing that's going to happen, I believe, like the pastor, is the rapture. And so something bad, in my opinion, is going to happen within the next two years in Israel, but then God's going to redeem it in some way. Uh, as far as the Bible is concerned, it's, it's talking about this last war that's going to go on, and then God saves uh, Israel with the coming of the church. So <laughs> God's real cool, man. I love the, the way that he got <laughs> He, he is. He, he loves taking care of us, but you've got to want to know. You've got to look for these things. Um, so that's just, that's just kind of what I saw. This is an overview. You could go on rabbit trails on all over the place, but suffice it to say, you really need to pay attention to these four blood moons. Something significant is about to happen in Israel, and we could be taken out and be part of the redemption of that part of it. So um, anyway, it's exciting times, but that's just, not, that's just the tip of the iceberg. In the last 500 years, there's only been three tetrads that's going on in the last 500 years. So that makes it a rare thing. So this is not just, this, the news is just blowing it off. Um, the devil would like to just cover this over like it's just nothing. Uh, I've been seeing things on TV because I, I watch a lot of History Channel and stuff like that. Um, they're just trying to gloss this over. It's a scientific phenomena. It has nothing to do with Bible or prophecy. And they're even doing that. They're even trying to say uh, well, this is Christians that are just, you know, doomsday prophecy. You know how they try to downplay it a lot? Is we're doomsday people. We're just, you know, hey, God's got a special message for us. That's for us. You know what I mean? So it excites me to let, to let me know, hey, I better get my ducks in a row because bottom line, I'm a hypocrite. Now, you, we're all hypocrites. Our lines are all different with each other. My line of hypocrisy only goes so far, but it's time now to start trying to get our ducks in a row and getting ready. Start being the light that we're supposed to be. Because, hey, let me tell you something. We don't have time. You better pack your bags. We real close. Thank you. How many of y'all think that Steve sounded like a preacher? Well, 
Well, that's because he is one. Uh, ordained. Ordained. Amen. Wasn't that great? Good, good insights. So what's this all about? It, it's, it's, it's signals from the heavenlies. Signals from the heavenlies. Uh, it is it, the, the day of Pentecost, the, the incredible beginning of the church. And, and, and at that, in that very same chapter, in Acts chapter 1 and chapter 2, Peter refers to the ancient prophecies from Joel about before that great day. There'll be the blood will be turned to moon, and the, before the coming, of, he talks about these eclipses. So, do we do we know exactly what's going to happen? Nobody. Even the authors of these four books, uh, I think John Hagee probably comes closer than anybody else. Of course, John Hagee is not afraid of of uh, <laughs> controversy. That's the word I was looking for. John Hagee is not afraid of controversies. I think he's laid it out there a little bit stronger, but. Regardless of that, we do. I do believe this. What, what do I believe? I believe that they are, Do I believe they're significant? Absolutely. Do I know what's going to happen? Of course not. But like Stephen said, the church in this hour, if we ever are going to be the light we're supposed to be, if we're ever going to be the church we're supposed to be, uh, let's do that now. Not just because we need to get our bags packed and have them ready, but because there's still millions of people need to be saved. Amen. Praise God. And you got to, then, then Jesus himself said, the greatest sign concerning, when you put all these other things together, he said, just remember this, that when the gospel of the kingdom is preached to all the world, then shall the end come. God is not willing. Listen, I'm telling you, I, I, I see Christians that are just ready to write off the whole world, let them go to hell. God is not willing that any should perish. God, even with this Laodicean church that makes him sick at his stomach, the next verse, he said, but if you'll just repent, if you'll just, just come and ask of me, I'll, I'll give you what you need. Because he wants to be that. Be ready. Friend, an hour as you think not. Son of man cometh. Hallelujah. And my dear old daddy used to say this. Glenn, it doesn't matter when Jesus comes for the world. He could come to you for you today. So that's why you need to have the bags packed because he could come for us, some of us today. Amen? Amen. All right. We will pick up. Uh, if, you have, if, if you have any, any questions, Brother Hart, did you have any other thing about the blood moon you might want to share with us? And you can do that. If you could do that next, be ready to do that next week. Okay. All right. Thank you, sir. I figured you would. <laughs> intelligent man over here, intelligent man. Uh, anyway, let's all stand together. Praise the Lord, and thank you so much for being here. We have prayer meetings starting right now, right over here. Uh, you'll know, notice some people have on name tags. We, we had so much fun with these in the 830 service, <laughs> so much fun with these. And, uh, uh, and when you go in today, uh, the ushers will give you one, write your name on it. Don't say, don't, don't, don't let me hear you say, well, everybody knows who I am. Don't be that conceited. Uh, everybody may not know who you are. Get your name tag and put it on because we're going to have a little, we're going to have class participation during the service today. Class partic participation during the, during the service today. Amen? Amen. Well, you're dismissed in the name of the Lord. Amen. Praise.